Hello, Spotlight friends. Welcome to another episode of Ave Spotlight. Today, we are going to be sitting and chatting with and learning from Dr. Julia Sadusky. Super exciting. We're going to be talking all about gender identity and loving our neighbor, what that means to really enter into an experience and a conversation. So I'm really happy to have you here, Dr. Julia. Thank you so much for being with us. Yes, absolutely. It's so good to be with you, Chanel. Yes. And tell us a little bit more about who you are. We'd love to get to know a little bit more about you. Mm -hmm. Sure. So I am a licensed clinical psychologist living out in Denver, Colorado area. So I work uh, in a private practice here, which just means I see clients who come in for any variety of things. And Really, why I'm here to talk with you, right, is my specialty area, which is the study of sexuality and gender, and specifically the intersection of sexuality and gender with Christian faith. So I don't just work with people who are coming at any questions they have about anything from a kind of Christian or Catholic perspective, but certainly a lot of people come to see me because that's been a lot of my research. That's been a lot of my writing, my speaking is how do we as people of faith gain enough of an understanding about psychology and spirituality to really accompany people who are exploring sexual identity questions, who identify as LGBT and their families, right? Parents, loved ones, people like you and me who are trying to walk alongside people we love. Awesome. Wow. That is so important. And I mean, I'm sure also so necessary as like time goes on and people have more of those conversations and important too, because there is definitely, I think, a space for a lot of us in the church where education really hasn't been mastered, right? Or like Mm -hmm. talked about enough for these particular topics. And we want to be sensitive and compassionate as well. Mm -hmm. So um, this is amazing. And we're so happy to have you. Well, I just want to jump right in and let you talk Mm -hmm. Tell us about some of your experiences. We know that you have a book, Emerging Gender Identities, which I own. It's an amazing resource. And tell us a little bit about that, what inspired you to write it, and a little bit about what it's about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I went to Regent University for graduate school, and that was really where my research took off. And I was a part of an institute, which at the time was the Institute for the Study of Sexual Identity. And That was under Dr. Mark Yarhouse. So he's who I co-authored that book with. And he's an evangelical Christian who is a specialist in these topics as well. And so really what happened is I came in to that training not knowing a ton about gender identity. So probably like a lot of the listeners, not knowing much more than what I'd heard in hallway conversations or comments from people in my life. And so Pretty quickly, though, because I was supervised by him, I started Mm. seeing a lot of people who were coming in with questions around gender, whether they had gender dysphoria, which is the mental health concern where there's a conflict around your sense of gender identity, where that doesn't seem to line up with your biological sex. And so I was seeing a lot of people in that situation and also their families, parents whose teens were coming out as gay and, and just people who were trying to figure out how do we accompany people we love in our lives. And so, Mm. you know, that was kind of the clinical piece as I started seeing a lot of people with those questions and then started running some groups for sexual minority people of faith in the Virginia area. 
And I was actually doing a little bit of youth ministry, volunteering on the side. Wow, jam-packed. Yeah, it was, it was so fun. It was nice to get out of the uh, research and sure. into the lives of teens. So, so I was doing some youth ministry and it was then that it, people kind of got wind that I was doing work in this area. And so I started to do a little bit of speaking at youth events. It was really at that point that Mark Yarhouse and I were realizing there was not a lot of practical how do you do pastoral care in more formal roles like mm-hmm. mentoring and sure. then in like in relationship with people? How do we accompany people asking these questions? There was really nothing. There was a little bit out there around theology, right? Like how do we think theologically around gender identity? And there was nothing really that we thought was pastorally helpful and coming out of experiences of actually hearing from the people themselves, what helped, what hurt. Mm. And so that was really where the book came from is we always joke that it wrote itself because we've been talking, we've been sharing, we've been thrown around some of these ideas for a couple of years. And so when I moved out to California for internship, we wrote that and got it out there pretty quickly, thankfully, and, and hoping that it's going to be a little bit more of a crash course in the first half and what's the average layperson need to know about gender identity today and the trends and the shifts culturally, which have continued to change rather rapidly in the last decade or two. And then the other piece of it, right, is practical second half of the book. What are principles and strategies for doing relationships with people on a continuum? Because if you've met one person asking these questions, you've only met one and there's a lot of diversity there. And so trying to think critically and and thoughtfully and pull from our spirituality and spiritual resources as opposed to seeing it as a forced choice. I have to pick between showing up for somebody I love and being a Christian. No, (laughs) how do we integrate those and bring our faith into how we do relationships with people more and more? Wow, that's a huge question. And also, I mean, God bless you both for answering that call to provide a resource. That's a huge question. I would love to hear more about what you were talking about accompaniment and just that idea of walking alongside someone. I think when we're talking about, especially things like gender identity, it's very nice to say Mm -hmm. it's our job to accompany others as Christians, et cetera. But practically a lot of Christians, a lot of Catholics don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. And so I would love for you to just kind of talk a little bit more about that and what that means and what we can do just as lay people. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell a little anecdote because I (laughs) get some flack for this, but we wrote a pamphlet on gender identity and pastoral care and somebody wrote a critique on it and said, all you did in 50 pages was tell us to listen. Are you going to give us anything else? (laughs) And I snapped back. If we were good at listening, then I wouldn't have to say it for 50 pages, right? Ooh. The, The reality is in your conversations with people around these topics amongst many others, right, that we're navigating in our lives, who does most of the talking? Because if your goal is to get your theology right and then kind of sit there and and spout it out to somebody, Mm. that has a really different quality to the person on the other side. And this is true for all of us. I don't think this is unique here that if I'm in relationship with somebody where my conversations become them targeting one aspect of my experience or suffering or pain and 
they want to talk about that, which really means they want to tell me about what they think kind of conceptually about that, then we're not going to have a very robust and intimate friendship, right? It's more of being in a lecture and being kind of talked down at. And so I would love to see a lot more listening, a lot more who is doing the majority of the talking in your conversation Mm. with people asking questions. And this is not, you know, relativism. I mean, it's not to say that theology doesn't matter. I actually think it matters a great deal. And if that's all you're doing, and this is true for many social issues and many issues in our modern culture, that if all I'm worried about is being right, I'm going to have a small circle. But if I'm, I'm interested in getting to know the image of God in this other person, and what does God have to say about the world and about himself and about his love through their story and even through their suffering, right? That's a good place to start. I think that getting the theology right is a piece. And if you stop there, you miss out on a lot. And the second thing I guess I'll I'll say about that is I give talks a lot and I just gave one last week. So it's kind of fresh. In the Q&A, somebody said, gosh, the morning was really dense (laughs) where we were talking all about the research and the information on gender identity, Mm -hmm. gender dysphoria. And he said, yeah, it was a lot to wrap my mind around. You know, at first I kind of said, yeah, I haven't quite figured out how to make it less dense. I know it's a lot, right? But it's sure. a lot to take in. And then I paused and I was reminded of the teens that I sit with who have been doing this research for years, right? They're online and they're trying to understand what is there to say about these experiences and people like me and yada, yada, yada. And I said, I do hope that this actually helps us with empathy for what it must be like to be a kid and teen today for whom this matters. Like you don't have the luxury of waiting till you're 50 to sit in a lecture Mm. and hear about this. This is real life. This this matters for you today. Do my questions around gender preclude me from a relationship with Christ? You know, can you go to heaven and have gender dysphoria? These things that they'll do research on. And so it's an act of charity to make their questions your questions. So if you're in the audience and you're like, I've never really wrestled with gender identity questions. Okay. Okay. I've never wrestled with homelessness, but that doesn't mean I don't care about the homeless. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm, will mm-hmm. you make their questions your questions? Will you do the research? Will you let your mind get foggy from having to sit with something as complex as uh, the research in this area out of charity for the people you will meet and have already met for whom this is really salient right now? Mm, that is a great point. And yeah, that is a great point. I mean, making someone else's concern, our concern is like such a primary call to how we're called to live consistently Mm -hmm. in our mutual concern for others. So then that piece about how complex and confusing it must be as well to kind of dive into like, if I'm experiencing this and what does my relationship with God look like? And if Mm -hmm. I'm experiencing this and what does my relationship with the church look like? Then what does my youth group experience look like? Then what, you know, there's so many questions that kids are asking themselves and it is so important to really like put yourself in that position of how challenging that must be. So I love that you saw it from that perspective as well. Cause I think a lot of us will buy books and we'll read things and we'll go to conferences and we'll get information and research. And then we're like, all right, (laughs) you know, like, okay, this is a little too much. And I'm a little, this is kind of intense and heavy. 
And then we don't actually think that there's also a teen sitting behind their cell phone or their laptop Googling Mm -hmm. these same questions. And we should put just as much energy into looking into that. So that is amazing. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Wow. This episode of Spotlight is brought to you by Hallow, the number one Catholic app for prayer, meditation, music, and more. Hallow is an amazing resource for any Catholic looking to dive deeper into their prayer life, find more peace, and ultimately grow closer to God. Hallow features daily rosaries, Lexio Divina, examines, playlists for calm and humility, and minute meditations for brief moments with God throughout your day. It also features some of your favorite Catholic speakers like Father Mike Schmitz, Jonathan Rumi, Dr. Scott Hahn, and Bishop Barron. You can also hear the Bible in the Year podcast and all of Father Mike and Bishop Barron's homilies. This season, try one of Hollow's hundreds of prayers, meditations, and peaceful music for Advent and Christmas. Well, I would love to ask you, what is something that you have kind of run into as a common question amongst those that you've spoken to, maybe like, I don't want to say tip, but for Mm -hmm. lack of better words, but like a tip that you've given people that you've spoken to, I'm sure the many people or questions that you've had, I would love to hear kind of something that you've spoken about a lot Mm -hmm. in particular for questions of people, if that makes sense. I think so. I, I mean, I think one of the biggest pieces for people for whom you know, they are actively wrestling with gender identity questions is, Mm. you know, identifying people who can sit with them in the questions without Mm. offering all of the answers because, because a lot of times there can be harm done when the conversation becomes more about having to have an answer because it tends to foreclose for people on the process of the tension that we carry and trying to figure out complicated questions. And so I think really identifying people, mentors, especially not just friends, not just people on social media or YouTube stars, but genuinely people who can kind of critically engage our culture in charity, right? (laughs) And do so, not so much to say, oh, look how delusional the rest of the world is, or look how lost we are as a culture, even if that's true. And there's a lot of ways in which I, I do think that's true. Is that kind of the, sh- you know, shaking the dust from your feet moment where it's like, oh, this poor culture, let's leave. Well, our young people don't have the luxury of opting out of culture. Mm-hmm. They need to know how to engage culture from a robust lens. And the black and white answers even if they're true, leave them wanting with, how do I put one foot in front of the other and talk to my friends at school, right? And then the number one tip I give parents and loved ones who are trying to accompany somebody in their life is I I often see people go the route of cognitive disputation. Like, let me dispute gender theory, right? As a kind of relativistic kind of element of social deconstruction. Like, let me critique that. And again, not proposed to that, but if you go cognitive, you're going to be met cognitively and you're going to argue and you're going to fight and you're going to, especially in talking to a teenager, they're probably going to dig in their heels, even if they don't agree with every aspect of what they're saying, or even know the presuppositions that are being drawn from in gender theory, right? So if you go into a cognitive disputation route, you're going to be met with disputation and usually distance. And 
the number one predictor of a young person's well-being over time, specifically people asking these questions, is the quality of their relationship with their parents. And so these people in positions of authority, the way you show up matters a great deal at a time when many teens are going to act like they don't care what you think. So really trying to not go into, we talk in the book about political identities, the people for whom this is kind of a sociocultural movement and they're advocating for changes in norms around sex and gender, not treating your child or loved one like they're an embodiment of that. Okay. Mm -hmm. But really meeting and trying to see beneath the surface, what is happening for this person underneath the surface? Well, they probably have the same questions I have, which is who am I? Where do I belong? Am I loved? And are there things that I could do that could make your love conditional, make you pull away? And if we are relating then to a young person, how do we want to answer those questions, right? Because if we focus on pure cognitive disputation, we miss an opportunity to speak beneath the surface and assume that this kid is asking the same exact questions you and I are, who am I, where do I belong, am I wanted here? And how we respond to those questions matters. And what I see in ministry is a lot of times we get reactive. And so Mm. we don't actually speak to what's beneath the surface or we do unwillingly. And we're kind of like slamming hammers into walls everywhere and wondering why the building fell down. That would be my probably most frequent recommendation to people in those situations. Wow. I love that. Yeah. And speaking cognitively and addressing people in that way first Mm -hmm. never really works out immediately. (laughs) And it's interesting to watch that play out, you know, on many topics when people address things and there's that piece about compassion and like, where does that quite fit in Mm -hmm. when you're having discussions? Because I love what you were saying earlier. A lot of people also tend to think that where there is compassion, there's this relative idea that Mm -hmm. theology doesn't matter, right? Right. And God's truth doesn't matter. But those two things can work harmoniously. And it doesn't have to mean that we're abandoning God's truth, right? Mm -hmm. About who we are as his children. So that is amazing. And and I'm so grateful for you for sharing um, so much about what you've been studying so hard and what you, you know, devote a lot of your life to. So we're so grateful to have had you on the show. I would love to hear a little bit more about where we can find more resources on this topic and just a little bit more about what you're up to, where we can follow along with your journey as well. Sure. So there's a couple of really great resources out there and I'll speak kind of broadly around sexuality and gender as a whole at the intersection of that and faith. So Mark Yarhouse, who's a colleague of mine who I mentioned before, he's got a research institute, the Sexual and Gender Identity Institute out in Wheaton, Illinois. And so he puts out a lot of resources as far as research and articles and different things that can help guide specifically people in the area of mental health, but everybody, lay people as well in these spaces. Preston Sprinkle is an evangelical speaker who has created something called the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. And he's got a podcast. They've got a lot of good resourcing. A dear friend, Greg Coles, who is a gay Christian who's committed to singleness, is working there and doing a lot of awesome work. And he's come out with a couple of books that really help in these conversations, I think. And so I I would elevate his work as well. 
Revoice is a conference that brings together Christians from all over the country and, and actually internationally as well, who are they themselves or loved ones yeah, asking questions around sexuality and gender. And actually their conference is coming up this next week. They're going to be in Dallas, Texas. And it's a beautiful experience where they have talks and worship and prayer and opportunity for community for people who are right at the intersection of a traditional sexual ethic and sexuality. And so that's a beautiful opportunity. Eden Invitation is kind of a Catholic organization that's out there that's doing some cool things as far as retreats and small groups. And they've been a kind of boots on the ground resource as well. Eve Tushnet, I could go on and on. She's written a great book and she's coming out with another one on spirituality and spiritual maturity. And so I would be looking out for hers. Myself and, and Mark Yarhouse will be coming out with a book in the next several months, so March 2022, called Gender Identity and Therapy. And that's really for clinicians, mental health professionals, and how do we more effectively respond to people's questions around gender in therapy. And so that mm. will be available and people can follow me on Facebook. That's really the primary way or my website. I can send you those links for those opportunities to just see talks I'm giving or resources coming available in the coming years. So... Awesome. Oh my goodness. Well, you are hard at work and we will definitely drop um, those resources in our show notes so people can check those out. Mm -hmm. um, that's a wealth of knowledge. How amazing is that? It's so amazing sometimes the things that you just don't know exist. So, yes, well, <laughs> so that's, that's, that's a big deal, right? I want people to know yeah. that there are lots of options. There's kind of historically been one or two options that people will name drop as far as here's the organization that you go to when you're Catholic and asking questions around sexuality mm. or gender. And there's a lot more today, thank God, than there was 10 years ago even. And, and so I want people to know where they can go because that speaks volumes to people, right? That God cares about you uniquely and that there are places and spaces for you in the church and you're wanted in the church. Mm. And that's something that too often seems to be rarely communicated to sexual and gender minorities who are people of faith. And so, yeah, for the person listening who is a sexual minority, gender minority, or who is trying to figure this stuff out, you are wanted in the church. And I just hope we do a better job at making space in our churches for you to do life. Sweet. Thank you so much. And at the end of all of our episodes, we usually ask our guests what their hope for the week is. But I would love to just ask you, what is something that gives you hope? It can be anything from cute babies or something that God spoke to you or a really good slice of pizza. If you need time <laughs> to think about it, I can go first um, go or first. if you're ready to Please go. Too. Okay. Something that gives me hope Honestly, when I am driving and a really good song comes on my iPhone or through Bluetooth, I just feel so like hopeful and united to God in that moment, right? When you're just yeah. in the car and like a really jamming Phil Collins song comes on and like yeah. the sun's hot and the sun, you know, and the sky is blue and yes. you're just like going to Trader Joe's and the days, <laughs> like, the I'm whole, there. right? Yeah. And the whole page seems to like encircle you with goodness. Mm -hmm. Those are days that really give me hope, you know, when all of those things just seem to unite. So mm -hmm. how about you? I love that. For me, I, you know, I was driving here to my office on the, right before this call and 
just looking around and watching the leaves change. And we don't always get a long fall here in Colorado because the snow robs us of it. But this year it's been late and it's been long and just watching the changing of the leaves and the beauty of the mountains behind that is a good reminder that there's a lot of beauty in change. And I'm not one that likes change and life is full of it. So yeah, changing leaves give me hope. I love that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Dr. Julia, for being with us. And we are so lucky to have you. And we will be praying for your continued mission and for everyone that you will encounter. You and Dr. Mark, is Mm -hmm. that his name? Yeah, you and Dr. Mark. We so appreciate all the work that you both have been doing. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening and thank you so much to Dr. Julia for being our guest today. Y'all can check out more information on Dr. Julia's work at juliasadusky.com where you can also find her book, Emerging Gender Identities, Understanding the Diverse Experiences of Today's Youth. I'm so grateful to be able to have this conversation and I'm looking forward to talking to y'all next week. Please pray for me. I'll be praying for you. God bless. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.